2: But we cannot sing songs about the Lord while we are in this foreign country, Psalm 137.4. I'm in England, and although it's home, sometimes I feel as though I'm in a foreign country after living so long in America. My perspective, wherever I am, changes with the weather. If I wake up to a cloudy day, my feelings are cloudy. Or if I've not slept well, then my feelings are listless. When I'm surrounded by cheerful people, then, well, I'm cheerful, of course. I've imagined the Hebrews in exile, and I'm happy I'm here by choice because each day for them would be filled with sadness and despair. How much faith, energy, and prayer would have been going on to get them through the decades they spent in captivity? They were afraid they'd grow too accustomed to the alien soil. They knew their children would grow up knowing no difference, hence the lines following this one. Jerusalem, if I forget you, let my right hand lose its skill. This psalm really talks to us today, no matter where we live geographically. Many times we're tempted to drift to a foreign country by relaxing our standards and not think about Jerusalem as my highest joy. How do we stay faithful to our Lord in the foreign land of liberalities? By always seeking the truth in God's word. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Sociable Homeschooler. I'm your host, Vivian McMenny. Hi, blue-eyed hubby in Paris. Hope you're well. I have a brilliant British show for you this afternoon. I am once again at my mother's um, battling the English healthcare system, which is great at at the right time, but has its frustrations. My guest is Laura Ellis and her husband, Nick, who live and work in Oxford, England. I have to say that because I'm sure there's an Oxford somewhere in America. So grab your tea and sit back and listen to me in my native land, sharing some highlights of my days away from the McNenny household. Malia commented to me after our night flight to England that the gloomy weather made England look not so attractive. That and the whole night she'd just spent in a restless half-sleep sitting upright on a plane. Our taxi driver thought he was doing us a favour by taking us off the motorway and through some gloriously green and fresh countryside. We careened through narrow winding lanes, past fields with spring lambs, daffodils on the roadside and heavily entwined hedgerows waiting to burst into bloom along the way we encountered horse riders whom we had to stop for a tractor switching fields a lane full of cows being herded to the milking barns on the other side occasionally we'd see a pretty thatched cottage or a well-tended manor house with a few cars in the driveway and at one point our driver stopped so that we could enjoy the breathtaking view from the highest spot in surrey overlooking Bigham hill of World War II fame, and I'll look that up next week to tell you more about it. Bertie, our driver, was such an amenable sort, but this didn't help the fact that Malia was feeling more and more nauseous as we twisted and turned through the narrow roads. When we arrived at my mom, she fell into bed and into a sound sleep to awaken to brilliant sunshine and a much happier view of the world. I planned to spend this visit focused on schools for but as luck would have it, I couldn't get the phone to work re- reliably. I'd been experiencing some engaged signals during the week in America, but every now and again, I'd get through, so I put it down to mum not hanging up the phone properly. But she wasn't to blame. Sorry, mum. And I had to spend an hour dealing with British Telecom on my mobile. Typically, like utility services around the world, I couldn't get a definite time when to expect the repairman. So I was asked, morning or afternoon so the soonest I could guarantee anyone would be home to let them in was four days after my arrival between 8 a.m and 1 p.m imagine four days without a land phone well a lot of you don't have landlines so you'd be okay but I don't use my mobile a lot so it was an adjustment for me to wear it turned on all the time the repairman came yesterday and stayed for an hour and thought he had it all sorted but within 30 minutes of him walking out the door, the phones went on the blink again. So I'm still waiting for them to come out and repair the problem, which, incidentally, I've narrowed down to the additional phone jacks in the flat. His phone, This phone I'm on is a um, hook, is hooked up to the main box, hence you can hear me hopefully. Oh, and by the way, we can't pick up the Internet either on my airport. I wonder if that's connected to the phones. Welcome to England. I had to do was deal with the pain my mother was having in her jaw and throat, preventing her from speaking properly or swallowing. It's a real pain in the neck, she said with a smile. At least she can still smile about it. Even with the analgesics prescribed by various doctors who have been to see her, she's still in so much discomfort that she's lost weight because she can't eat. Two doctors have written notes to the hospital, one requesting a CT scan and the other requesting an appointment with an ENT specialist. Both have had follow-up letters sent into the overworked national health system, and both have been pending for four months now. So with a week at home, I decided to change the course of the NHS and called her general practitioner on my overworked mobile and asked about going private. Immediately, all the doors opened, and we managed to secure an appointment for this morning Guess what? A letter from the National Health came in yesterday with an appointment with the same specialist next Wednesday. Murphy's Law. At least I'll be able to go with her and meet the specialist myself and hear what he has to say, even if it won't be a free visit. Incidentally, on the back of the letter, there was a list of general information for the visit. At the top of the list were these words, 18-week referral to treatment guarantee. You can now expect to be treated within 18 weeks of general practitioner referral to a national health hospital. 18 weeks! That's four and a half months from going to your primary care doctor with a problem that needs a specialist referral, saying, say hearing loss, to actually getting an appointment with that specialist. Then when the appointment is over, there are more referrals for other treatments, x-rays, blood work, etc., all conducted at the hospital on separate appointments probably weeks apart. Here, people joke you either get better while waiting on the list or you die. Of course, these really are non-emergency referrals, but after America, the system is very slow. Well, back to the main focus of our visit here in the first place. On Tuesday, we went to the London Contemporary Dance School, located in the heart of London near Euston Station in Bloomsbury, a posh part of town. The facility is called The Place and has the renowned Robert Alston Contemporary Dance Company in residence. It sits opposite St. Pancras Church, a large circular building with statues holding up the edifice instead of pillars. Of course, we wanted to take a peek inside, and the steps into the sanctuary were occupied by a couple of homeless people who set up residence on the top step of the main entranceway. As we went inside, a man was shaking out one of the many soiled and varied quilts and blankets he had, lining the stone steps he also had cardboard boxes and other items arranged to resemble a home and the smell upon drawing adjacent his campsite was dreadful i know the steps to a church should not be ruled out for squatters to stake their claim they are shelters and churches are supposed to offer shelter and it really reminded me of the beggars at the temple gates in biblical time inside the sanctuary the church pews were all enclosed and Malia commented that she was surprised there weren't homeless people sleeping inside them. Is there an invisible line across the threshold, perhaps? We had coffee while waiting for a class to begin at the place, at a little shop, and the traffic noise was intense. Malia commented that no part of Dallas or Garland, where she grew up and worked, sounded that loud. I'm sure you can relate to that, Paris. Honestly, it was as if she, we were sipping coffee on the LBJ median. She came away from the visit, filled with apprehension and very little enthusiasm. You'll appreciate this, blue-eyed hubby. On a pastoral note, there were gardeners at work at my mum's flat shortly after we arrived. They stayed for at least five hours, pruning, weeding, mowing, and aerating. I was imagining you at your mum's cutting down tree limbs and working the ride on mower. Impressive stuff. There were four of them all together in the air outside once they had left. Held the sweet fragrance of freshly mown grass and newly turned earth with windows and doors open we soon had our energies restored and we enjoyed a lovely meal with my brother and his sons oh and there are magpies on the lawn i always forget how large those birds are and the dawn chorus seems to begin before i see any light on the horizon i'm awakened while it's still very dark I filled out my mom's census form the last evening. It had to be done by March 27th, which is Sunday, so my brother was cutting it a bit fine, don't you think? It was easy, but on the form it asked, on the night of March 27th, who will you have sleeping in your house? Include all visitors. And I thought, Malia and I will still be here. How weird is that? My brother filled the for- if my brother had filled the forms out in a more timely manner, he may not have known we were going to be here. So, we had to enter our names, dates of birth, and country where our usual address is. Malia and I are on the census form for 2011 in Britain. And we also experienced the springing forward of clocks on Sunday morning for the second time this month. Woohoo! My brother told me of an interesting recycling trick he uses. He's such a recycler. He comes to my mom's kitchen and goes through her rubbish to see if the carers, or me at the moment, have thrown anything recyclable away. He reuses old calendars. Apparently, he's been doing it for four years. Last year, in 2010, was exactly the same as 1999. In 2009, he used 1998. In 2008, he used 1980. This year, he's using 1994. The only problem, he says, is that the Easter dates are different for some reason this year. Well, I googled this interesting recycling thought because I rightly reckoned there's no way my busy and disorganized brother manually went through his old calendars and compared them to the current year before making his selection. And sure enough, some bright person or persons has already done all the figuring out for us. When can I reuse this calendar is an interesting little site, so hop onto it. Go find out when you can reuse the calendar of your birth year. What an interesting little gift too. Isn't that a great idea? But if you're anything like me, I write everything down in my calendar, so I'd get too confused, so I couldn't recycle any. Anyway, I have to go on a break right now. So I've got Laura Lee and her husband Nick um, coming on to talk to me. They actually reside here in England, as I said earlier, in Oxford, and they were both homeschooled. So um, after these few messages, we'll be back. And um, I'm looking out of my window right now, and the sun is shining, and it's absolutely beautiful. And I hope that you also are having a glorious day in Texas, and it's not too hot. So with that, I will be back in about 90 seconds. <laughs>
1: How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNitty, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Get ready to laugh along with this little parent stayed home with Ali Loprit. Friday evenings at 6, 5 central, on Togedad.com. This is a truly realistic, no nonsense, tell it like it is method that will have you laughing and crying surviving while struggling and hammering away at the hardships as you travel through the greatest journey of your life. Get empowered by joining thousands of other parents who have also decided to take a leap of faith into a double career with longer hours and half the pay simply because of the love they have for their children. Together, we are rebuilding a new economy that will support us rather than enslave us. Never again will we have to choose between raising our children and earning to provide for them. It won't be easy will be worth it. For more on Allie and her success, check out her website, OurMilkMoney.com. So come get empowered with This Little Parent Stayed Home with Ali Lopri Friday afternoons at 6, 5 Central, on Togenet.com. Today's business world, a helping hand or idea that doesn't come with an invoice is a treasured find. And if that happens to you, then you need to pay it forward to keep other entrepreneurs from making mistakes or getting a raw deal. It's called Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi Wednesday mornings at 10, 9 a.m. Central. Josephine is going to have the guests describe their accomplishments, the lessons they've learned, both good and bad, and then sharing those pieces of knowledge as we create a movement of paying it forward. For more information about Josephine, her business, and background, you can go to MyMomKnowsBest.com. Josephine Jirasi has always been a problem solver. She saw this need and has turned it into a movement. It's Paying It Forward with tips, tools, and advice and hard lessons learned. These pieces of knowledge can make a huge difference for you, your business, and others. So join us for Paying It Forward with josephine Girasi, wednesday mornings at 10 a.m 9 a.m central on toginet.com welcome back to the sociable homeschooler with vivian McNenney the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career join us as we plow through the problems tackle the challenges and celebrate the successes it's the sociable homeschooler on toginet and now back to your host vivian McNenney
2: Well, my guests this week are Laura and Nick Ellis. Um, Laura is a lifelong homeschooler, writer, and speaker. She lives in Oxford. She challenges young people to live passionately and with purpose and speaks about the most of one's, speaks about making the most of one's personal homeschooling experience to prepare for higher education and fulfilling work. And her husband is um, working on his PhD in theology. He is also a lifetime homeschooler and he's teaching Greek at Oxford University and they have a one-year-old son, Liam, whom they have been homeschooling since birth. And so I have... um, Nick on the phone right now or on the line right now and um, we're going to talk to Nick for a while and um, the first thing I want to say is welcome Nick and thank you so much for agreeing to be a guest on my show.
0: Well thank you for having me Vivian. Um,
2: now you're at Oxford and you're actually a student and you're t- are you teaching there as well? <laughs>
0: That's right. So I, I don't know how much you know about the college system here, but as I do my DPhil, or what Oxford likes to call their PhD, while I work on my DPhil writing up my my thesis, I work at uh, a couple of the colleges, teaching Greek. Mm-hmm. I provide tutorials and lectures for the colleges in both New Testament Greek, Septuagint Greek, uh, and broader New Testament studies.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, so, so tell me, we're in... Towards the end of March, so what part of the second semester, what's the semester called, the term called?
0: Right, so we've, we've, just actually, we've actually just finished up Hillary term, mm-hmm. um, and we're currently in our break, which is the mm-hmm. Easter holiday. It's, it's a terrific time here at Oxford because the sun is shining. The, uh, uh, we're, we've, we've said goodbye to the, to the storm clouds of, of winter. And we're mm-hmm. enjoying some terrific weather here, so this mm-hmm. is the time of year when most of us, uh, between terms, go off and write. So my days uh-huh. are now filled with with research and writing um, uh, during this term break, and also the time mm-hmm. when most of us go off and try to uh, have a little holiday in Israel, or uh, I think we may go down to Bournemouth um, and spend mm-hmm. some time by the seashore.
2: Okay, so the term is called Hillary, and then when do you go back for your next term?
0: I'll start up again in May, May the 11th, so I have a nice long break, oh, okay. and that okay. is a Trinity term for the third term.
2: Okay. Well, so do the do all of the students at the college have this long break for Easter?
0: No. Uh, where I am at at Wycliffe, <coughs> Wycliffe Hall, Okay. Which is an Anglican uh, Ordinance Training Center or an Anglican uh, Seminary. Uh-huh. They uh-huh. come back a week and a half before to start up some of their uh, Ordinance Trainings. But then the university course will start in May.
2: Okay, so pretty much all of April
0: off. Yeah, that's right. For everybody.
2: Yeah, wow, that's wonderful. But then there is a third term. Michaelmas Or ter- something yep. like yep.
0: that? Uh, Trinity yep. Term is the third term.
2: Uh-huh. Uh huh. Okay, so, so you.
0: Our- that's right. Our three terms are Michaelmas term, which is October through yeah. December, uh, yeah. Hillary term, which is then the end of January through uh, April, oh, um, and then Trinity term, which is the last one from April, uh, from uh, May till, till uh, July, and then we have the summer off.
2: All right. So, um, tell me something about homeschooling and how, from a, an American homeschooler, you've got to be a student and a teacher, professor, tutor at
0: Oxford. How did, how did
2: that journey happen?
0: Well, my homeschool uh, career was uh, fairly complicated. We started in Texas. My mother uh, was started homeschooling us when my dad was doing his PhD at Dallas Theological Seminary. Um, and so it was back in the, the mid-80s. And it was just the early days in Texas uh, for homeschoolers. Mm-hmm. And so we started using a uh, mixture of curriculum, some Bob Jones, some great books reading courses, just a variety of different mm-hmm. things. Uh-huh. Uh, as, as you know, during those days, it was, a, it, was, it was not quite as developed or as advanced as it is now. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, there were actually five, five kids. I have a twin. <clears throat> uh, my, uh, he, he is actually a, an engineer. Uh, in Idaho, he works with aeronautical engineering. And then my, my younger brother, uh, who's just a year younger, or 12 months younger, he is uh, studying medicine at the University of um, Colorado Medical Center. And then I have two younger brothers, a uh, young brother and a younger sister who are 10 years younger. And so all of us were homeschooled. And my, when we were in 1992, <clears throat> when, I was, when I was 11, we moved to Brazil where my dad uh, started working with theological education in North Brazil, both doing mm-hmm. church planting and also doing seminary education. So we had a very interesting time, uh, both homeschooling and also trying to plug in half days into the local Brazilian school for our Portuguese. Um, and really most of our education was, was through the homeschool system. So we, when we were in Brazil, we um, did a bit of University of Nebraska The long distance correspondence courses and we also did um, again a mixture of of various curriculum the math we did we did saxon math and some of the other Mm -hmm. systems so um, all five of us were were homeschooled the three oldest because we were so close in age with a twin and and one 12 months younger we actually Mm -hmm. were all in the same grade so mom just taught us as we went Um, and when we transitioned back to the states in 1999 or 2000, um, we uh, graduated, actually did a second senior year in Texas, at a, at a high school in Texas, in Rockwall, just getting back into the culture. Um, and then mom and dad went back to Brazil, and we said, well, we'll see you in, see you in four years. <laughs> I love you very much. Uh-huh. Um, and off we went to the university. <clears throat> so that, that started our academic career. I, I found that the homeschooling context – prepared us, myself and my brothers um, and, and sister, uh, prepared us very, very well. And, and um, actually, my youngest brother and sister are still in school. My, my brother, Andrew, is studying music at Liberty, and my sister, Victoria, is studying um, English at Wheaton. And so we have found that actually having the ability to really focus on our loves, um, from a very early age, I, I found that I love language, um, and certainly Portuguese was contributing to that, and then Spanish, and then we started Latin very early. Um, and in fact, when I decided that I needed to learn German, looking ahead to my graduate studies, I just moved to Germany for a year to say, well, I you know, I really need to, to engage with this language. And then with Hebrew, I moved to Jerusalem for uh, several months. And I found from a very early age that, that language was a strong, uh, strong suit. And my mm-hmm. mom and my dad were able to customize Uh, my teaching experience, my learning experience, to really bring out that kind of humanity background, which has, of course, in the Oxford context, as it is a um, very strong humanities platform, a very strong humanities institution, um, it just so happened that by my parents allowing me to focus and to to focus on my language, my, my, my English, my history, those kind of things, um, that I was uh, I was strongly suited to come come back for, for graduate studies. So we've uh, we um, Laura and I after we were married we pursued a couple different graduate programs and now have, have ended up here.
2: So you um, did most of your college in um, America and then you did your traveling, you know, to Germany and Israel and that is that how you did that?
0: That's right. So I did most of my I did most of my undergraduate in the states. Okay. Uh, okay. At okay. Union University in in Tennessee, okay. Okay. and it was there that I really began to focus on biblical languages. So focusing on Greek and Hebrew and those kind of things. Um, okay. Laura then, and, and I, I know you've had her on the show before. She then, uh, I met her in col- in college, and she then went to mm-hmm. Africa for two years on a, on a mission mm-hmm. trip. Uh, mm-hmm. During those two years, as as she and I were dating and corresponding, I moved to. Um, Germany for my for my language training there um, Israel and then finished up a master's work a master's degree in biblical studies in Vancouver at Trinity Western University and so then upon graduating from that Laura came back at about the same time we uh, were married very promptly and just decided that well it's time to get married and time to start focusing on finishing up some of these some of these uh, educational requirements.
2: It sounds as so though along the way you had a fantastically um, adventurous, um, Laura actually described you as um, her adventurous husband, adventurous life traveling, because um, my daughter um, has been accepted to college here in England, and she said, Mom, you'd be amazed at how many of my friends don't have a passport, American passport, and I said, no, there is a quite a low percentage of Americans who have American passports or passports. Yeah. and um you're you you don't fall into that category because you've you've traveled a lot and it's absolutely wonderful what you've done and um now um you know and liam is going to have such a marvelous time he's going to be comfortable as my children are in you know any country that we happen to be in um you know they're, they're going to be able to kind of settle down and and carry on and and um fit right in
3: um,
2: so um Gosh, that's that's just great. Um, your parents, so they were in Brazil for from 1992 to 1999, and then went back to America. Are they still in America, or did they go go they again abroad?
0: Still to Brazil. We, we they came back just for oh, a first, back to Brazil. Yeah, just oh, to drop okay. Them off. okay. And so they're they're still working. My dad teaches oh, yeah, at a that's right. you said yeah. Church in yeah. São Paulo. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Well, I was going to ask you, um, how did you feel that homeschooling uniquely prepared you to thrive in college and life? And you've just answered that question because, um, obviously, with the flexibility and the fact that you were able to pursue what you loved. And uh, the three of you doing it, so it probably helped the three of you if you were doing the same work, you know, sort of not so much competition, but, um, you know, sort of doing it together probably helped, right, the, the
0: yeah. subject? Well, it, it mm-hmm. definitely helped. And I think that especially for the Oxford context, which does require mm-hmm. a very high level of independent study, and um, yeah. especially at the graduate level where you have a supervisor, you don't have any classes per se that you're required to take, but your supervisor mm-hmm. says, well, this is your project, <clears throat> You know, mm-hmm. this is the dissertation you're writing. Now you need to go mm-hmm. off and you need to read these, however many hundreds of books, and and go to, you know, listen to these lectures. But prepare yourself for what you need. Give yourself the tools. And so homeschooling, I think for me, uniquely prepared me to be able to take a topic, uh, to be given a list of books, and to say, well, I need to go and read these. I need to understand them, and then I need to write and summarize what what I've been learning. And that was basically our homeschool experience. Uh, in Mm -hmm. Brazil, where where mom was able to say, listen, um, you know, we're here in a new context, we're here in a new culture, Um, we have a variety of responsibilities and learning challenges fitting into a culture, you need to take responsibility for your studies. And of course, mom proctored us and supervised us, but she... Well, Nick, Nick,
2: we're going on a break right now, so um, I'll be back in about a minute and a half and hopefully we'll be talking to Nick some more and to Laura. So hang on and continue our conversation.
1: How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNitty, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying, to 14 ways to get a baby to eat, and so much more. It's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Be a part of Pat Sloan's Creative Talk Radio. Her goal is to inspire you to be creative every day. Pat Sloan's Creative Talk Radio, Monday afternoons at 4, 3 Central, on toginet.com. Pat lives and breathes being creative through her quilt design business, but her creativity and interests have no bounds. On her show, she'll be introducing us to guests through interviews and talks that have a creative life. We'll learn more about what goes on in the world of quilting. And since Pat, like many of us, is creative in many ways, she'll also introduce us to creative people and other crafts like knitting, crochet, paper arts, and lots more. Pat is also an author, a lecturer, designer, and cheerleader of many. She's tried her hand at making almost everything you can think of and does many crafts to keep her inspired to create. Check out her website, PatSloan.com. What makes Pat most happy is to inspire others to be creative every day. So join us for Pat Sloan's Creative Talk Radio, Monday afternoons at 4, 3 Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet. And now, back to your host, Vivian McNenny.
2: Well, I'm back, and I've just finished talking to um, Nick Ellis. Is that is that your last name, Ellis, or Moore?
3: Yes, it is Ellis.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay, so I was right. I said Nick Ellis. And um, we're now... While Nick is um, looking after their two-year-old now, Liam, um, I'm going to be talking to Laura. And Laura and I have spoken before. The last time I was in England in August, and um, Laura actually like works for the Sunlight Curriculum. You still do that, oh, yes, and, um, that's right? Yes. And
3: how are you, Laura? I'm doing well. It's great to talk with you again, Vivian. Yeah, it's great to talk to you too. And, and it was just saying that they've just, you've just
2: started your Easter break, so you get a nice long, well, do you get time off? Well, I suppose with a computer, you can just carry it with you and do your work That's anywhere, right?
3: right? That's right. And we're enjoying this, a yeah. uh, rare bit of British sunshine right now, which is fabulous. So I
2: know. Yeah, we've had this fantastic week here. The people here are saying,
3: oh, last week was horrible. She, they said you've got
2: a beautiful week. So Malia yes. and I are just here for a week and then we go back on Monday. So perfect timing. Um, it is exciting. Um, I was, and then I said after after Nick had finished um, telling me about his life during and after homeschooling, I said, "Well, that's why you call him your adventurous husband because he seems yes. to be in all over the world."
3: <laughs> exactly. You know, before yeah. I married, I thought, "Well, how can anyone ever find a person who's interesting enough to keep them occupied for the rest of their lives?" And Nick yeah. Ellis was the answer to that question for me, uh, for sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, do you have anything in particular that you want to tell us about um, what Sunlight is doing, or any projects that you've been doing for Sunlight?
3: Sure. Um, you know, we have. This is a really exciting time for us at Sunlight right now because we're rolling out our 2011 catalog. So that's hitting people's mailboxes now. So um, it's been so exciting to get to just think through. You know, what customer will really help a lot of um, our customers just to have. You know, help in educating their children and resources, and um, yeah, we have a new apologetics program that's coming out, which is unbelievable mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. high school students and lots of exciting changes. So, yeah, I mean, this has been a, is a it's a great time to get to work with a team that's really looking out for homeschool parents.
2: That's that's wonderful. Um, what what kind of a team do you have? Um, are they qualified teachers? Are they experts in the field? How do you choose your teams to do this?
3: Yeah, Um, there's actually a product development team at Sunlight that's responsible for um, Mm -hmm. working with Sarita Holtzman who um, used to personally craft the instructor's guides with a friend of hers. Um, She and her husband, John, wrote uh, them all in the beginning and even packed their own boxes. So the the team has grown quite a bit now. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, there's professional educators who give guidance uh, to Sarita's ideas for instructor's guides. And um, Sarita Holtzman still picks the majority of the sunlight books she is a bibliophile for sure and is very personally invested in choosing really good literature um and then i'm a part of the marketing team at sunlight and so uh, we're able to just kind of listen to what customers are saying and try to um kind of communicate back with them so they know um kind of what we have to offer and uh try to find help them get to know about our resources um uh, and i was the first homeschool student actually to be hired um by sunlight full time. And they really hope to um, pursue that opportunity in the future because it's great to have someone who's come from a homeschool background to be able to um, obviously the Holtzman children were homeschooled so they have that wonderful resource as well but uh, they want more and more homes homeschool- to hire more and more homeschoolers to just strengthen that perspective to say hey you have been you know in the trenches you know with your parents as you went through this educational process and I think it's really helpful from all ends to understand um, the scenario uh, that parents are in so yeah, well
2: so I, you- yeah. I- I was going to ask you what connections do you see between your homeschool education and the job market, and that was going to go on and say, you know, how did you get your job, and how how does your experience relate for you um, with Sunlight or other jobs maybe that you've had before you had your Sunlight
3: job? Right, right. Um, with the Sunlight specifically. Um they they basically wanted someone that they could train to um, to assist in helping them be a voice to homeschoolers so that was just a unique opportunity for me because of my homeschooling background and interest in writing um, but I think in general you know upon you know joining that sunlight team I as I you know, began to work with them, I realized there were so many benefits for my home education that kept coming into play uh, that I think probably would have helped me in any job, but specifically at Sunlight, um, you know, because of the, that very specific homeschooling interest. Uh, but one thing that I found was just that immediate opportunity to connect with my employers um, that owners of Sunlight John and Srita Holtzman have become such incredible mentors. And I just respect them deeply personally, as well as employers. And, uh, I think that that would have happened no matter what my education background has been, but I think the home education environment really fosters, um, just the chance to interact with people who are outside of your peer group. I think, you know, I had friends growing up who were adults as well as children, and you learn to have conversations with people of all ages and, uh, not to see people older or in more advanced positions than you as the enemy, but, um, you know, resources and mentors and, um, you know, and peers as well. And so, Mm -hmm. I think that was a great opportunity for me just to make that transition from college to work very natural. Um, I felt like that I could really, you know, felt that I had the confidence to contribute even as kind of a fresh recruit <laughs> that um, mm-hmm. you know, I was still learning, but that I had that confidence to be able to approach people who are in higher positions and to know that we're all people, you know, and we all have great ideas to bring to the table and we all have a lot to learn. Um, so I think that was a huge asset. Um, did I think you also, use your yeah. family sunlight? Did you use sunlight? You know, we didn't use sunlight. Actually, I don't think my mom was really new about sunlight when we were growing up. She We used a hodgepodge of different things, um, but we did use quite a, a lot of the literature-based homeschooling idea, which is kind of what Sunlight is built upon, is just a, kind of centering your education on a core of great books. And uh, you know that is something that definitely, my mom is quite a drama queen, and so I remember you know her dramatically reading passages out of books to us, um, whether that was biographies or historical fiction, and I just thought, there's no way that I could get this type of excitement from one paragraph from a history book about World War II. You know, I'd read, you know, a book with our family that was this biography of this person and felt like I lived through this experience mm-hmm. and identified mm-hmm. with their hopes and hurts. And that's unforgettable. You know, that's the type mm-hmm. of history that you remember. Um, so I found that approach that Sunlight uses very mm-hmm. much like my parents had, had tried. Yeah. Um, And I I think another kind of advantage that most of your listeners will find as their students enter the workforce is that uh, most homeschool students have learned to some degree um, to be quite independent learners. I think uh, that's something that happens naturally as parents kind of give you more and more ground to pursue your interests. And that's been a benefit as well in the workplace that – you know, you don't need someone looking over your shoulder to make sure that you stay on task, but you find something that you're passionate about and you pour yourself into it wholeheartedly. And I think any employer really uh, values that. Um, yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah, great. So um, it sounds as though college was a wonderful experience for both you and Nick. Um, I've spoken since I've spoken to you in August. I've, I've spoken to some homeschoolers who, who say that, um, You know, we've homeschooled our children, and now our children don't really want to go into an institution. You know, they want to continue, you know, the freedom that they had from, um, you know, from their homeschooling experience into their college experience. And they're thinking, how can they do that? Are there colleges that are different? I mean, your college, for example. I know Nick has several colleges that various of his siblings um, have gone to and then talked about Oxford a little bit. Um, What about what, what would you say to that?
3: Yeah. um, um, Well, Nick and I graduated both uh, from the same university for his half of his university education. We were at the same university at Union University and um, had an incredible experience there. And, And I believe yeah. I mean, I know that people can, there are so many career paths aren't there and sometimes jumping into a career straight from the start can be a great fit for students. But yeah, I really did enjoy that time just to really reconsider um, how does my Christian worldview apply to what I do uh, in communications? How can I be Christ-centered and excellence-driven. Excellence-driven in what I do. Um, that was just such a good time—an incubation time, in some ways, for some of those ideas uh, to be applied more specifically to my career goals. And uh, and really outside of career, I mean, college is such a growing experience as a person in general. I, I think the philosophies and ideas that I may never be called upon to use in my specific um, work field, I have conversations about those ideas all the time. You know, with people here in Oxford or. Or, uh, you know, found that I can apply those things to life. So it's just such a rich opportunity for relationships and for just mm-hmm. growing in your worldview and your faith. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that when college is approached as a time to really intentionally um, grow in character um, and, and and really just refining your thinking processes, it can be a really profitable time no matter what type of career you, you hope to pursue.
2: And you carefully chose your college to – it it had to have the sort of culture, the same sort of culture that you had come from, correct?
3: Mm. You know, in my personal – yeah, I mean, in my personal experience, I found that Union was a great fit because I was specifically looking for a place that I could – be challenged in my character as well as academics. Um, So that was a great fit for me. I think, you know, pursuing an opportunity at a secular university would have been an amazing opportunity as well, Um, and with its own challenges and growth opportunities. But yeah, I really did carefully um, choose Union based on specific mentors that I identified and said, wow, you know, I really feel that I can learn from some Mm -hmm. of these people. And in fact, I actually met some of those people that I ended up learning the most from while I was still in high school. I think one of the great things about homeschooling is that you have freedom during the day to um, pursue lots of different learning opportunities, and that's something that I was able to do when I was in high school. Is to just to um, actually job shadow several professors at that university, Um, just contacted them and said, you know, I'd love to learn more about what you're doing, and develop some great relationships that way. Um, I ended up spending the day with a communications professor from the university and, um, she actually was teaching a class on Christianity and communication. And, uh, it was, it was amazing to see, you know, what kind of responsibility we have to live out our faith in that world? that uh, can often be a dark place where people are, you know, bringing attention to themselves. Um, how do we reflect uh, Christ's glory in that field? And, mm-hmm. um, That was just so great. You know, with all those professors that I followed around, obviously, I'm not a literature professor now or a communications professor, but uh, what I learned from them just huge do You me. surrounded I
2: yourself by, by these wonderful people.
3: Well, for those of you just joining us, I'm
2: talking to Laura and um, was talking to husband, Nick, both lifelong life schoolers, home schoolers and um, we'll be back and talk to one or other of them after this short break. So stay tuned.
1: How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNitty, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these.
2: Hello everybody, this is Pete Dix asking if you'll join me on Beatles and Beyond on this radio station. What a show I've got in store for you. Not only all the Apple reissues that I'll be looking at, some very rare tracks indeed, a report on my evening watching and listening to Neil Innes of the Ruttles and the Bonzo Dog Doodah Band. So please join me, Pete Dix, with Beatles and Beyond on this radio station.
1: Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNenney. The show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNenney.
2: seems like we have lost vivian and she's going to try calling back and i assume that we still have our guests here we have laura and nick
0: yes we are here
2: okay well i'm kind of stalling oh and i think i've got her back here on the on the phone line let me check a second are you there vivian okay let me yep let me go ahead and put you back on live okay and so we're back now go ahead vivian All right. Um, Sorry about that. Um, English phone lines is all I can say. Um, Right now, I'm talking to Laura and Nick, and we're going into the final um, 15-minute segment of my show. And um, I really want to talk a little bit, Nick, about um, a new project that you've been um, working on. Can you tell us something about that?
0: Sure, love to. Uh, about five years ago, uh, as I was finishing up one of my first master's degree, I had the opportunity of starting to work with a group a foundation called the Emmanuel Foundation, and the vision that they were uh, pursuing was that of biblical literacy. And so, what we've done over the last several years is we put together a research team, um, including some of really some of the best evangelical um, scholars and pastors and teachers. Um, to put together a, a basic biblical literacy course that's online <clears throat> that has um, systematic lessons that you can go through and study and a lot of interactive features like groups and discussion groups and all those kind of things and that's called BibleMesh.com <clears throat> um, so I worked with that project in the states for uh, three three years and then since moving here I'm now working with an additional branch of that project which is teaching um, basic biblical Greek and Hebrew. Um, that's kind of a nice fit since that's what I'm teaching here here at the university. So we have a kind of a cool opportunity to take biblical languages, biblical exegesis, um, biblical literacy, and position that into an online platform. Um, with, the, with the languages with Greek and Hebrew, we're really aiming at kind of um, an introductory level, uh, I, in fact, I think it's perfect for, for home, like, senior high school homeschoolers who are coming in and want an introduction to Greek or Hebrew. And then also for those pastors who have had some exposure to Greek and Hebrew in their seminary education, but now from their, um, from their parishes or from their churches are looking to kind of refresh and bring that back into an exegetical context. So it's been a very exciting several years as we've worked on that. Um, and the, the website is actually live now in a beta format. But then we'll be going Good. live, fully live, in the next uh, in the next month or so.
2: Okay, and this this project um, it's directed towards um, anyone who's interested, or is it a, a training? Tell tell me a little bit about um, what your audience, who your audience
0: is. Right, right. Well, the depending on the course. That, that one would study so for example the biblical literacy course would okay. be aimed at either uh, new believers or, or um, uh, maybe early high school students who want to come in and refresh or, or learn some of the basic concepts um, including the background concepts so for example if you are studying um, if you're studying the era of Jesus and you you hear these terms thrown around Sadducees Pharisees um, Essenes all those kind of things well what, what is that concept What's the Jewish background in the Jewish context? What's the context of messianism, the expectations for the Messiah that are within early Judaism? Um, What kind of theological teachings do you find that come out of um, the period of Jesus and his his message? So we move you through the biblical story um, chronologically through seven, what we call seven different eras. And um, that allows us to talk about the, the key events of that story and the background concepts of that story, the, the, key, the characters and the, and the theological points coming out of that story. So that's, that course in specific, <clears throat> specifically, is, is oriented toward some of these, these newer believers. Um, mm-hmm. of course, as we go through and we launch different courses, so, for example, a church history course, where we can uh, extend that same kind of format to say, well, you know, we all know a little bit about the Bible, but how much of us know about Irenaeus? How much of us know mm-hmm. about the importance of the, the Arian controversies? Um, and how mm-hmm. does that affect us? How has that affected our historical doctrine and, and the way that we mm-hmm. talk about God? Um, and so again, basic literacy, but now extending into church history, and then of course, I'm working on basic biblical languages, Greek and Hebrew, um, and then also some of these basic ethic, uh, ethics um, and public square issues that you find coming out. Mm-hmm. So really, the Bible mesh is a, is a platform <clears throat> uh, through which we can teach some of these, uh, some of these online courses. Um, so that, uh, right now, Biblical Story, which is the biblical literacy course, has, has gone online in a beta format and will, and will be launching fully in the next month or so.
2: Well, that, that sounds really exciting, and it sounds as though it's going to be available to um, you know, the world because it's going to be on the Internet. So um, that, that's really exciting. Is it, is it expensive?
0: uh it's it's not actually the um, we, we do a lot of uh, a mixture between free and pay for courses the free content so we have a lot of blogs and, and those kind of things that, that we post free and some bible studies um, that that are publicly accessible and then the actual course is is around forty dollars a year for a subscription mm-hmm. model well that
2: that sounds good that sounds uh, as though it's something that um older homeschoolers can tap into themselves or um parents can tap into as well as um anybody out there who's who's interested in doing that so the Emmaus Foundation are, are supporting this and um backing yeah. all of this is that right yeah Oh, Emmanuel you said the Emmanuel Foundation yeah yeah, the
0: American yeah. Foundation, and actually, there is an "About Us" section on the website that is publicly accessible. And I think one of the one of the real privileges of working with this project, um, you know, there's a lot of stuff online, uh, but it's it's working with people who are um, uh, who are trustworthy, people who mm-hmm. um, uh, really know their stuff. And you can go on and see, okay, exactly who is writing these videos, who are writing these articles, uh, who's producing this content. And so that was, that was really nice to see an, an online project come out that was um, transparent in, in who is working on the content um, and has a very clear confessional foundation. Um, so you can come in and say, "Well, I know what I'm going to get. Um, it's not just a hodgepodge of different, um, you know, theological positions, but it's a it's a broad um, evangelical context."
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, Nick, thank you so much for talking to me this afternoon, and Laura, if you're there and can say hi or bye. Thank you also for joining me. My guests this week were Laura and Nick Ellis. Laura, both of them, are lifelong homeschoolers, um, and they live in Oxford in England, and um, they have a two-year-old son, Liam, whom they're also taking through the homeschooling process. Um, Together they enjoy encouraging young people to become leaders. They have many opportunities to do this at the University City of Oxford. Laura reminds us that our own weaknesses are often the very tools that God uses to impact people. So don't be afraid to reach out outside that cozy box. Um, it's always a pleasure to talk to you Laura and Nick thank you for joining us this afternoon and have a wonderful weekend and have a wonderful wonderful break I hope the weather um, stays beautiful for you and you either go to Israel or Bournemouth at two ends of the spectrum have a great weekend bye
0: thank
2: you, thank you bye bye you're welcome bye gosh what a wonderful couple they are and um, they're living in they're living in Oxford. Okay, so I'm going to tell you a little bit about a visit that we took to Leon C. We went there on Wednesday. Uh, Malia has been accepted to a dance college there. And we weren't, we didn't get our hopes up because we didn't, um, really, really like the other college that we had been to. And, uh, we just traveled for two hours and what was quite a painless journey. It included two 10-minute walks, and three trains. The college was lovely. Everyone, including the students, were very friendly. Malia commented to them that none of the students had spoken to her at the London Contemporary the previous day. So she danced and she sang, and she acted and chatted to several teachers, to the lady who was the head of pastoral care and the directors. They loved her as much as she loved them. And she was the only American, and everyone gushed over her accent and asked her if she knew Miley Cyrus. After four hours, we toddled off to check out residences we had identified through a list provided by the school, and by some weird chance, we were able to connect and meet with only one of the residences, and it turned out that one was plenty. We'd already decided that this was our favorite place from the telephone conversation the evening before. Malia and the host family hit it off immediately, and we ended up staying for two hours, meeting the au pair and the children. And then we walked um, along the beach and ooh and ah'd over the cottages and the fishing boats and the cobblestones and the pub where we ate a very late lunch at 5.30. So we were reminded of broad stairs. So, Paris, you'll be able to imagine it easily. Okay. I have used up um a whole hour and so I'm going to leave you and um let me see um I've been rattling on and on about my stay in England, and um, I had two very, very talkative guests, which was wonderful, and a baby in the background, and I heard a cock crowing. Um, My daughter, Malia, has gone to meet a friend who's visiting from France, and he's on a study abroad program from SMU for six months, and they're going to buzz through London together. Hawking up a storm. Then we'll pack and head on home on Monday. So I'll be back in my usual spot next week. I miss you, my blue-eyed cowboy. Don't forget to pick us up at the airport. And the clock spring forward early Sunday morning again for me. So this week I'll say thanks to my handsome husband, who believes in love at first sight, our four children, who are the result of that belief, the hard-working staff at Talking Net Radio, my guests, Laura and Nick, and you, my faithful listeners, especially Paris and hubby, see you soon. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord show you his kindness and have mercy on you. May the Lord watch over you and give you peace. Doop doop doop, doodle, doop. And if you want to go online and find out a little bit more about Laura, she has a blog and it's called Life as a Rough Draft, and you'll get a You'll get a picture of her and her husband. And then if you want to find out more about Sunlight Curriculum, where Laura works, um, just go to sunlight.com. That's s-o-n-l-i-g-h-t.com. com. And um, anything else? Well, I'm having to go back through America with my resident alien card. They keep pulling me over force, so keep your fingers crossed that I get through customs. This time without... Too much trouble. I've taken everything with me this time. I've got my birth certificate and I've got my social security card and I've got all the forms that I've filled out for my American naturalization status. So hopefully they'll let me through without too much trouble. I guess if Malia and I are just giggling and laughing, they'll let us through anyway. So it looks as though, um, I know this is really difficult because I'm actually not online so I can't see my cues and I'm listening to my cues, but I've just got a few seconds left. So you just go away and have a great weekend, and I'll see you back in Dallas next week. Bye.
1: Thank you for joining us for The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney on Toginet.